You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, All of You, Part 2. Enjoy. We invite you to get everything that Christ has for you. And I'm telling you, he, He's got um, things for you to partake of that are beyond what you've asked for and imagined because he's just that good. And I'm going to need your help as we get into the Word today because when you get into the Word of God, it can be shocking to your system. If you've been conditioned by the wisdom of man and man's religious tradition and, and you read what Jesus actually says and you say, can this be? Is this real? And I want to I encourage you to embrace Christ fully. And for many of us, embracing Christ fully means letting go of our past and our past religious experiences. It meant that for me 30-plus years ago. But I'll tell you what, I did it. I couldn't do it quick enough. When I came to know the real Jesus, nothing else mattered. So we're in the midst of a series right now called All of You. This is the second message. Please listen to the message in its entirety from last week so that you can get all of the vitamins and minerals and nutrients in the Word of God that He prepared for you, and, and you can't get it all in one hearing. It's something that you, you, you how many times you have to chew your food? What's Grandma say? How many times is that? It's just like, no, it's like 1,320 times every bite. That's a lot. They say you got to chew each bite a lot of times. But that's true with the Word of God. You know, there, there are times where we can take time to explain the things that we proclaim during worship. And there are other times we just proclaim them. And the things that we proclaim during communion. But to know and experience the divine health the wholeness that Christ provided for you, it takes time to chew on the Word. How do you chew on the Word? You meditate in it. You go over verses like Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, and Isaiah 53, 4, and 5, and Matthew 8, 17, and a number of them we're going to look at today. And you, you chew on it, and you meditate on it, and you understand that when you're doing that, the Word of God goes to work in your mind and in your body. And as you cultivate a lifestyle of meditating in the Word, it becomes real to you. You begin to experience it. Sometimes people are discouraged because they hear about healing and different things and they haven't experienced it. So they, they dismiss it and say, well, it can't be because I prayed and nothing happened. And what they're failing to understand is uh, you can't swallow a steak whole. You have to cut it into manageable pieces and you have to chew it. And I don't like to chew my food fast. And I, I think I learned it from my grandpa. I lived with him growing up for, for a number of years and he would sit down at the dinner table with one plate and he would just sit there and he would take a bite of food and then he'd just sit back in his chair and 
look out the window and shoo, and he'd listen to his opera music, uh, Giuseppe Verdi or Caruso, and, and uh, have a little sip and take another bite. And, and he might be there an hour, hour and a half, same plate. And he would just enjoy it. It takes time in the Word to experience it. It does. I mean, you can, through someone else's faith, experience a supernatural miracle. But I'm talking about daily walking in what He's provided for you. And, and we've all been blessed by someone else's faith at different points in our lives. But God wants you to walk with Him and experience Him personally, directly through faith in His Word and by His Spirit. All of you. We started talking about the heart of God. And this is really the focus of the Christian life. It's the heart of God. It's who He is. It's His nature. It's His will. It's His purpose. It's His, His, uh, His design, His dream for mankind. You can't tell what God's will is by what you've been through. You can't tell what God's, God's will is by looking at the world around us. There's only one way to truly know the will of God, and that's by looking at Jesus Christ, the ministry of Christ in the Gospels and Acts. That's when we see the, word, the will of God and the Word of God very clearly. But when you come to discover how good God is, and sometimes we say things and people say, well, that." That's just too good. And I understand that. It seems when you read the Word of God and you, and, and you meditate in His promises, it can seem like they're too good to be true. But in reality, they're too good to not be true. They're so good they leave no room for falsehood. They're superlative. Hallelujah. Let's look at John 3.16. We started here last Sunday. We'll start here again. We want to look at the heart of God. A heart that's so full of perfect love. A heart that's so full of healing and light and victory and joy and peace and wisdom and righteousness. A heart that is overflowing uh, with <laughs> dreams beyond your greatest imaginations. Uh, it's a heart that beckons us to run after Him. It's a heart that requires all of us. And in John 3.16, if we were to pick one verse to summarize the gospel, this would be a good one. There are others. But this certainly is a good one to, to give us insight into the heart of God. It says, for God, how much did he love the world? He so, so loved the world, right? What's he talking about? People, right? For God so loved people, the people you work with. Uh, the people who let their dog do its business in your yard. He loves those people, doesn't he? Sure he does. Everybody. Right? The, the people who give you the finger when you're driving. Does he love those people? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he loves people who give the finger, right? He loves people who cheat on their taxes, right? He loves people who, who are lost, who are bitter and angry, who hate him, who don't believe in him, he loves them. And we do too, because he does. And we love others not according to what their dog does in our yard. We love them as he loves us, right? 
Hallelujah. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, nothing greater than that, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we, are, we focus on dereligifying people's thinking here at Highway Church. So you know what eternal life is. See, religion would read it this way, that whoever prays for six hours a day and is baptized in water and goes through all the sacraments will uh, get to heaven someday. That's not what this says. Eternal life is not about going to heaven someday. What did he just say? Is he a pastor? I said eternal life is not about going to heaven someday. It's about experiencing God this day. Put John 17, 3. How do I know that? Because Jesus defines it for us. In his ministry and literally with his words in John 17, 3. Man, I am just... Wow, thank you, Holy Ghost. I feel like a stallion in the stalls of a rodeo. I'm just ready to kick that gate open. Woo, but you got to hold on. And this is eternal life. What is it? It means to know, to perceive, to recognize, to experience and understand you today. God's never been a has-been. He's I am. He's about right now in your life. He's the right now answer for your right now issues. God gave His Son so that you could perceive, you could recognize Him, you could experience Him, you could understand Him, you can know Him daily. That's what eternal life is, knowing God daily. (laughs) Everything God does and everything that's been written in the Holy Bible is with this in mind, that God wants you. And He wants you to experience Him every day of your life. Is this shocking? I know it is when you've been conditioned by man's religious doctrines, but it's the truth anyway, so we're going to keep going. God gave his son so that he could have all of you and you could have all of him. So you could begin living your life today and every day for the rest of your life according to his design and purpose. What's his design and purpose? Well, Jesus gave us that too, didn't he? In John chapter 10, verse 10. What did Jesus himself declare? He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came, here it is, Jesus himself declaring the very purpose that he entered the womb of Mary. I came that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. I came that you might have more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. I think that's the message translation or the New Living Translation. This is why he came. 
And I've heard so many Christian leaders criticize those who preach what I'm preaching. But Jesus preached it, so I'm going to go with him. Shouldn't we as disciples of Christ be saying what he said? And believing what he said? And preaching what he preached? Sure we should, right? That's the mark of a disciple. They say the same thing as their master. So when you enter into a relationship with him, listen, knowing him produces a transformed life. It's impossible for it not to. You can't jump in a swimming pool without getting soaked. You can't know God without being transformed. But too often we don't jump in. We, we walk up to the side and, ooh. Right? We, we hear John 10.10 10 and we're like, ooh, I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think he, he actually meant what he said. I mean, life abundantly, that must mean going to heaven someday. Mm -mm. Nope. Now, stay with me. How are we doing online? We're glad you're here. Forget the laundry. You can do it after. You can do it while you watch the Patriots. How about that? Knowing God produces a transformed life. Knowing God sets you free from sin forever. Knowing God breaks the power of sin in your life forever. Knowing God uh, permanently ratifies Satan's defeat in your life. Now, what has Satan tried to do? Well, through unbelief and fear by getting... Remember, his strategy is not new. Two primary strategies, just like he did in Genesis 3. He'll try and get you to question what God said. Did, right here, Holy Bible, right? Genesis through Revelation. Have you read the entire Bible? I don't know how many times I have, but I'm going to continue doing it for the rest of eternity. It's life to your soul and your body. But as you read the Word, he, Satan will try and get you to question what God has said. Number one strategy. Why is that? Because God's Word brings wholeness and life if you'll just believe it. So if I was your enemy, the last thing I want you to do is to believe this, right? So I'd raise lots of questions. But, I don't, well, that couldn't mean this. And uh, why, why did he say that? And what about this? And, oh, I don't know about that. And what, read, just, just put all that aside and read the Word and say, Father, show yourself to me. Show yourself to me. Hallelujah. So this is what Satan will do. That's his first tactic. He'll try and get you to question the Word of God. Okay. Try, did God really say that? And the second thing he'll do is trying to get you to question your identity in Christ. Primary strategies. Did God say that? Does his word really mean that? And secondly, who you are in Christ. Those are the things that he comes after to question. And then and his other, one of his other tactics that's in the top, I'd say top five, is fear. Fear. So through unbelief and fear, Satan has attempted to reduce the church 
to nothing more than another community organization. I hope you've got your seatbelts on. And wouldn't you know it, he just happened to call me to tell you something different. Yeah, that's what Satan has done to so many churches. He's reduced them to a community organization. Just like any other community organization that's not full of the Holy Spirit. And he's told them that what happened in the ministry of Jesus is not for today. He's told them that what happened in the book of Acts is not for today. If it's not for today, I quit. Because there's not one scripture that tells me it's not for today. Not one. Not one. There's not a, 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 a vowel or a consonant in the Bible that tells me it's not for today. In fact, from Genesis to Revelation tells me it's now. Now the fullness of God's kingdom, the new heaven, the new earth, Satan bound, that's not right now. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about living like Jesus, filled with the same spirit of Jesus. We're going to read some scriptures. Is that okay? And we're just going to let Jesus do the talking. But I, again, I want to caution you, leave the laundry, stay focused, put your seatbelt on, and embrace the heart of God because he wants all of you. God was done with religion a long time ago. He never wanted it. From the beginning, it was always relationship. Religion was man's idea and Satan's idea. To create this phony system of holiness that doesn't work, that confuses people, that puts weights on people's back that they can't carry and doesn't set anybody free. We're talking about something totally different. We're talking about eternal life, experiencing God today. See, the gospel's not about community organization. It's about life transformation. The gospel's about life transformation, not community organization. Are you all right? Hallelujah. Much of what has been taught in churches can be accomplished with human talents and organization. You know, a good plan, coordination of human talents and human wisdom, just like any, any company might do to get their product on the table. I don't see that in the ministry of Jesus. I see him touching lepers and they're made whole. That's the business plan I'm after. Touch and make whole. Are you all right? Let's look at Jesus in Mark chapter 4. The church, God's definition of the church, is Jesus in every believer doing the things that Jesus did. Saying the things Jesus said. I know this is hard to hear because we've been conditioned that church is a social thing. That we come and we say our little prayers, we sing our little songs, we listen to our little homily, and then we go and have our lunch, and, and we're never transformed. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm in this to experience Christ as He is for the rest of my life. 
So if that's what you're after, this is a place for you. If you're after a little, little prayer and a little song and a little social club, but so you'll need to go somewhere else because we don't have that for you. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus, the one that we call Lord, has a lot to impart to us this morning. And here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, we have a summary of the ministry of Jesus that we are called to continue today. Are you ready? Can you handle it? And Jesus, verse 23, Matthew 4, 23, Jesus, our Lord, our Master, the one that we're disciplined after, right? We're His disciples, so He's the one that we're disciplined after, right? He went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. That's the ministry of the church. Right there. Teaching the Word of God, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. I'll say it again. That is the purpose of the church in the earth. Not bake sales, not nice community events, but teaching the Word of God, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. This shouldn't be shocking to us. This should be the foundation we operate from. Let's keep reading. Can we go to John, to Jesus Himself? John chapter 14. <laughs> Verse 12, embrace him. Come on. This is what the Lord impressed upon me in these last few months. We are in the last days, unquestionably. And the church must be awakened to our true calling. We've got to shake off the baloney we've been tolerating, the... the, the uh, apathy, the complacency. We've got to shake off who said what to me and all this carnal baloney and we've got to be awakened to His calling for His body. To teach the Word of God. To preach the good news of the kingdom. To heal all manner of sickness and disease. John 14, 12-14. This is our Master. Speaking, He's perfect in all His ways. He's never said something He shouldn't have said. He never slipped up with His tongue. That's the mark of a perfect man. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in Me will do what I have been doing. What? Now's a good time to check your laundry. Nope. Don't you go anywhere. This is Jesus talking. I first read this in the spring of 1989. It's the first time my eyes ever, I ever read the Bible, and, and I started in this book. And when I read this, my heart exploded. I knew I found Jesus. I knew I found the author of life. I knew this was what he designed us for, to be like him. See, when, when you embrace Jesus, you can't play church. You want nothing to do with man's religious games. 
I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Does this go against your doctrine? Then throw your doctrine out and make Jesus your new doctrine. Are you willing to do that? Isn't he Lord? Right? Anyone faith in me will do what I have been doing. What was he doing? Teaching the word of God, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing all manner of disease and all manner of sickness. Will do what I have been doing. But he doesn't stop there. What is wrong with Jesus? He should have just maybe, maybe he shouldn't even have said this. But yes, he should have because he says what the Father says. Even if it's not received or criticized or rejected, he's got to say it because what he says is not dependent upon community, organization, or political correctness. It's dependent upon what's in the heart of the Father. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything. Isn't God wild? He's, he's just off the charts, wild. You can ask me for anything. That is the mark of someone who is whole and sure and certain of who they are. You can ask me for anything. That is, those are the words of someone who's limitless. Those are the words of someone who has no beginning and has no end. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. You try meditating in that verse. Just sit and read over that verse for an hour and a half. Have you ever done that? Have you ever taken a verse and just meditated in it for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, hour and a half? Don't rush. Let it sink deep to your core. Let it become the, the threads of your fabric. Can I read some more, Jesus? We're talking about all of you. God gave all that he had so he could have all of you so you could have all of him. (laughs) Jesus talking in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world. Right? Every area of society. And preach the good news to every creature. Verse 16. This is a Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. This is Jesus, our Lord, talking. He said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So this is all dependent upon what we believe. So what is Satan after? Our beliefs. If someone comes along and tells me Matthew 4, 23 and John 14, 12 through 14 and Mark 16, 15 through 18 and the other scriptures we're going to read, we don't have time to read them all, that those aren't for today and I believe that, what just happened? I've just closed the door to what God wants to do in my life. 
Jesus himself in preaching in his own country, his hometown, could, could not do the mighty works he was attempting to do because of their unbelief. That'll mess your theology up, won't it? It's in the Gospels. Have you read it? In his own hometown, he could not do the mighty works that he wanted to do because of their unbelief. What we believe is huge. What you believe determines how much God can do in your life. What you believe determines how much God you experience. Not his will. His will doesn't determine how much of him you experience. If it was up to him, you'd experience all of him. But it's not up to him. It's up to you and what you choose to believe. So you see why there's so many denominations and division. That's all the work of the enemy. To get people split and divided and arguing and about, why don't we just believe Jesus? That'd settle it all, wouldn't it? I believe him. What's your theology? Jesus. Let me see your tenets of faith, Jesus. Let me see your core doctrine, Jesus. And Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow only me. Can we put that verse up there? Verse 17. Verse, there we go. No, no, it doesn't say that. I'm sorry. I read that wrong. Let me correct myself. And these signs will follow those who go to church. I'm sorry. No. These signs will follow those who pray long and hard. These signs will follow those who do 233 good deeds a day. What must we do? To do the works of God, what did Jesus say in John 6? Believe on the one whom he sent. And these signs will follow those who believe. You know, I'm shocked sometimes by how much I don't believe God. I've been shocked these recently. I was letting things trouble me. I said, wait a minute, why don't I just believe God? It's shocking. You'll be shocked to find, you know how you can tell how much, how troubled you are. How frustrated you are. Those are all symptoms of unbelief. And if you go to that very thing and you apply your faith to God's word in that very area of your life, you'll find a peace that could have been yours a long time ago. Unbelief is a thief. Kick it out of your life. These signs will follow those who believe. Believe what? What he says. How can I believe what he says if it's not for me today? I can't. All of a sudden, doors closed. Satan loves that doctrine. He's the author of it. Hallelujah. <laughs> These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will bake brownies and have bake sales and have nice events for the community. 
See, if Jesus preached a lot of things that are preached in churches, he never would have been crucified. But he didn't. He preached what we're preaching. But through faith in him, wholeness belongs to you today. See, devils get mad when this word is verbalized, when this word comes out of a person's heart and out of their mouth. He'd rather have you go to a bake sale. This is what will happen to those who take Jesus at his word. They'll cast out devils. They'll cast out devils. How's that with your theology? Well, that was, they, were, they weren't sophisticated like we are today, and that's a primitive view of psychological disorders. You know, we know, we, we, we're advanced now. We've got laboratories that have, oh, you know, we've, we've gone into the subatomic realm and we understand things that they, uh, demons, that, let's, come on, let's, let's be real. Let's, let's come into the 21st century. What century are we in? It's the 21st. Yeah. That's what happens when, you're, when, you're, when you grow up in the 80s. You're stuck in the 80s. I don't know, it, just, it just happens. Leg warmers and, you know, the whole deal. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. It's just... Are you, have you cast out any demons lately? Have you? Why not? Why do you play with them and entertain them? Why do you think they're other things? Other, why are you uh, calling something what it's not? Why are you not recognizing demonic activity? Why are we labeling demonic activity with, with pretty, uh, pretty language yeah. and, and, and human wisdom? Yeah. We cast out devils. If there's one bothering you, come see me. I'll cast it right out of you. As long as you're willing to let it go. Some people have made devils their friends. Devils of fear, devils of self-affirmation, devils of offense. I hate devils. Why? Because they're evil. There's nothing good about them. You turn your back on them, they'll rip you apart. Hate what is evil. Not people. Evil. They will cast out demons. Devils are real. I see their activity regularly in people's lives. But sometimes there's not a whole lot I can do about it because the people aren't willing to listen. So those who believe do the things Jesus did and greater things than these, they cast out demons they speak with new tongues. Uh-oh, why did Jesus have to say that? <laughs> Doesn't he know this is a controversial theological topic, speaking in tongues? Oh, Jesus. Couldn't you have said something either? They, they'll attend uh, prayer meetings? That would have been a lot easier. 
No, they'll speak in new tongues. They'll pray with their spirit. Just like they did in Acts. Just like they did in the epistles. They will take up serpents. Oh, now, okay, I was maybe okay up to this point, but uh, sorry. Now we're talking about, you know, snakes not harming you. Okay, this is really weird. This is a cult. I'm out of here. Have you read the scriptures? Have you read Paul on his journeys, missionary journeys, when he was building a fire on the island after being shipwrecked and how a viper attached itself to his hand and he shook it off? That's what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about creating some kind of a cultish thing where we come in and pick up snakes and something stupid like that. He's saying, you have my protection in this world. Same thing he said in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I've given you authority to tread upon over all the power of the enemy, to tread upon snakes and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Is that in the Bible? Haven't you read it? Luke 10, I think it's 19. You see things very differently. And if they drink anything deadly, oh, Jesus, please. I mean, what are you doing here? If they drink anything deadly, it will be no, by no means hurt them. Have you read of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Jesus was with them in the fire and the furnace they were thrown into. And their clothes didn't burn. They didn't even smell like smoke. Are you telling me there's supernatural life and protection in Christ? Yes! Today! Well, that means I don't have anything to be afraid of. Now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. Well, a new virus has been discovered. It can't touch me. It has no say-so in my life. Because I'm in Christ and I'm in Him. He's in me, I'm in Him. Can we keep reading? They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Reading about Smith Wigglesworth, great little booklet called Ever Increasing Faith. If I were you, anytime I bring up a book, I'd go get it. Ever-increasing faith. Smith Wigglesworth. Let's all say that name together. Wigglesworth. An English plumber who got baptized in the Holy Spirit and started a ministry. And had one of the great healing ministries uh, in history, really. But uh, it's a little book of his messages. Ever-increasing faith. And in one, I think it was, like, I don't remember the country, if it was Sweden. He was from England, but he traveled around the world ministering what we're preaching here. And in one country, he got, uh, the police came to arrest him for healing without a license. <laughs> Isn't that funny? You don't need a license to heal. You just need to believe what Jesus said. 
See, Satan tries to put up roadblocks and create an endless list of qualifications that you need to do the will of God. But Jesus said, just believe. Can I read some more, Jesus? Isn't this great to just read Jesus? Fresh, hot, living Jesus. So that was just three little excerpts. Let's just read a few more. Matthew chapter 10. I mean, if it's not enough, there's one Jesus in the world. Then he sends out 12 more. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. You didn't know you're another Jesus in the earth, did you? Come on. You're the firstborn among many. He's the firstborn among many. You're the many. Excuse me. (laughs) He's the firstborn from among the dead, and you're the many. Verse 1 of Matthew 10. We're just reading the Bible. The most profitable thing you can do if you believe it. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciplined ones, right, who followed him, who left everything, who, who gave their all to know him. He gave them power against unclean spirits, devils, demons, to cast them out. And to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. But didn't we just read that's what he was doing? Yes. Didn't we just read he said that's those who believe will do these things? Guess what? He sends out 12 more to, to illustrate what he's saying. Verse 7, this is what he says to them. And this is what he says to the church today. As you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is here. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Hello church. This is your calling. Jesus is calling his church to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. And then if sending out 12 is not enough, he sends out another 70. Now we got over 70 Jesuses in the earth. Now there's only one Jesus and you're being blasphemous. You shouldn't say there are more than one Jesus. I understand Jesus is the one and only Son of God. But I also understand that through His sacrifice and resurrection, through faith in Him, we've been born of Him and become uh, creatures in His image. That He's living through us. People are so quick to criticize. And, And heresy, heresy, heresy. That's what they did to Jesus. Man, I've seen videos people will send me online and they're just criticizing uh, people like me who preach what we preach here. And it reveals how little of Jesus they know. How little of actual Jesus they know. They are schooled well in their religious tradition, but Jesus they don't know well. Criticizing ministers because they have a healing ministry. You shouldn't get people's hopes up. Really? Why not? Because nothing will happen. Oh, so you don't believe. Well, well, guess what? You won't see it. You won't experience it. See, God's kingdom, you believe it first, then you experience it. And you keep believing it until you experience it.
Did you hear that part? You keep believing it. In fact, for us today, they didn't have this in the Gospels because no one had been born again yet. For us today, it's already done. So for us, we're not trying to be healed. We are already healed and we are resisting sickness. We're already healed. We're not trying to obtain something. We've already received it and we resist anything contrary to it. I don't have time to explain all this. Let's keep going. Matthew, or Luke chapter 10. So he sends out another 70. Verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also. That's how the King James says it. <laughs> and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place with, whither, where, so the King James himself would come. And verse 9. And set up a booth and sell brownies and create some colorful little tracks, you know, that have a seven-step plan to salvation, and bring, no, here's their instructions. Heal the sick. Are you getting to know the heart of God? This is how he talks. Heal the sick that are therein. Say unto them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. They're their instructions. Sounds like the instructions for the 12. Sounds like what Jesus did. Are you getting the picture? We're just reading Jesus. We're just reading the Bible. Can I read a little more Jesus? So the life that Jesus has called us to is a life of teaching the Word of God, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. In fact, in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, uh, a chapter you need to know well, after Jesus spoke to a fig tree and cursed it and the tree died and his disciples were amazed at the supernatural event that took place in front of them, Jesus responded to them in, in the message translation. We'll read verse 22. It said, Jesus was matter of fact. So get the picture. They're amazed at what Jesus just did. And Jesus is worthy of all of our amazement, right? He's worthy of all of our praise and adoration. But he wants our adoration of him to move us forward in him. He wants our adoration of him to move us forward in him. He wants our adoration of him to, to move us to do the things that he did. To see life as he sees it. Real praise transforms you. Real worship transforms you. You can't be the same when you worship Him by faith. Jesus was matter of fact, and look what He says. Embrace this God life. He's inviting them to live as He lives, is He not? In fact, in the, the, you look at the Greek here, I think the King James says, have faith in God. But if you look at the Greek, this is a great way to summarize it. But the Greek is like, have, have God's faith in life. Ha see things as God sees them. Live the way he lives. It's hard to put it into words. Yeah. I think the message, have the faith of God, you could literally say. Yeah. Or have God-like faith. Embrace this God life. See things the way God sees them. Make what's important to God important to you. Really embrace it. Don't be fake. 
Run after him with everything you've got, and nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, Jesus, don't you know mountains are big? This mountain, for instance, just say, boy, our ministers criticize for this. Do you, they teach if you say it, it'll happen. Where did they get that from? Where did we ever get that from? Jesus. Why would the words of Jesus be shocking to us as his disciples? Why would we criticize someone as a heretic for saying what Jesus said? Time to wake up. You're here this morning and you need to be here. You're listening online. You need to be listening. This is for us. It's time to let go of the controversy, of the doubt, of the unbelief, and take Jesus at his word. Just say go jump in the lake. No shuffling or shilly-shallying, and it's as good as done. That's a good summary for man's religious doctrine. Shuffling and shilly-shallying. Doubting and unbelieving with sophisticated language. That's why I urge you to pray or to speak, if we keep it in context, to absolutely everything. Do you speak to everything in your life? I'm getting better at it. I speak to a lot of things in my life, but sometimes I realize there's something I've been tolerating. I say, wait a minute, I haven't spoke to that yet. Speak to everything, ranging from small to large. I've spoken to little cuts on my finger, and I've spoken to things I won't even tell you what they are. They were big deals in my body or trying to attack my body that would be considered probably critical, but I didn't give them a chance to stick around. I cast them out of my life immediately because I'm looking at Jesus and I know what he said and I know what he's done so I don't let things enter my life that are contrary to him. So you'll learn to close the door really fast to the wrong things when you know him. And the time you take to analyze it and wonder why and where and when and how is time that it takes to grip you and to try and dig its roots into you. But don't give it that chance. With the stripes that wounded Jesus, you've been healed. The moment a symptom tries to pop up in your life, you cast it, you know in the name of Jesus Christ. This might sound crazy to you, but I've been, I've been enjoying divine health for over 20 years. 24 years, actually. And I didn't get there by man's wisdom. I got there by meditating in the very scriptures we're reading now. The moment something contrary to what Christ shows up in your life, where does it go? In the trash. We're immovable on this. We're immovable on what Jesus said. We're immovable because he said it. That settles it for us. This is what real faith is. Real faith is immovable. 
Faith is not giving a nod to something like I kind of agree with that. Faith is immovable certainty. Immovable certainty. It is so in my life because God has said it. And I will accept nothing less. I've had to do this in the face of what some would consider very serious symptoms. To be immovable. Just me. Taking a walk alone somewhere, resisting. I'm telling you there's wholeness for you if you'll take Jesus at his word and immovably do so. Immovably. How do you become immovable? Meditate in what he said. It takes time. It doesn't happen in a day, I'll tell you that right now. And it doesn't happen in two days. It doesn't happen in three days. It doesn't happen in a week. It doesn't happen in a month. It doesn't happen in several months. It takes time to become immovable. And you don't stay immovable. You have to keep meditating. Once you get to a level of, of, of reality in him, you don't back off. You keep moving forward by continuing to meditate in what he said. You keep meditating. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't successful in that area. It didn't happen. You keep meditating. Keep meditating. What he said is true. If I didn't experience it, that's okay. I don't need to create a new doctrine to try and justify that. I just keep meditating in the Word and keep, keep going. You're going to experience it. Keep meditating. Keep going. Keep going. Keep, keep his Word as the focus of your attention. Let his Word be the foundation of all of your thoughts. Come on, keep going. Just keep going. But so-and-so did this, and they, they didn't receive it. And so That's not what we meditate. We meditate on what Jesus said. We're like bulldogs on the Word of God. We, right? Pit bull. Right? We clamp on the Word of God. Nothing can take us off. That's what faith is. Faith is a pit bull. It is. It's like that woman with the issue of blood. She was a pit bull. Right? Spent all of her money, couldn't get better, was, was, was cast down to society, but she came to Jesus and, if I touch him, I'll be well. She touched him, she was well. Meditate on her. Meditate on that, Mark chapter 4 or 5. What is it? I don't know. Mark chapter 4 or 5. Meditate on that for a while. Watch your faith just blossom. It takes time to become a move. It takes time to, to walk in faith. You're not going to get it from one message. You'll be inspired in a message. Faith will be imparted to you in a message. Seeds will be planted to you in these messages. But then the meditation is the watering of those seeds. It's the the miracle grow being applied, right? So that those seeds can grow and blossom and the fruit will show up. Speak to everything in your life. Absolutely everything, Jesus said in verse 24. Ranging from small to large, include everything as you embrace this God life and you'll get God's everything. Jesus is too much, isn't he? He's too much. He is just too much. He's so good. He's too good to not be true. I love when he speaks. It leaves no room for falsehood. He's superlative. He's the way, the truth, the life. There's no other options there, is there? Right? The devil is the one who wiggles and shilly-shallies and tries to create some kind of uh, loophole 
in what he said. Beware of loopholes in the body of Christ. It was, there were never meant to be any loopholes to what Jesus said. That's where denominations come from, loopholes, right? Well, I don't know. How are we doing? Are we doing good? Isn't it good to grab hold of Jesus and not let go? I mean, is he worth of you grabbing hold of? Come on. Come on. Is he, is he worthy of your grip? Is he worthy of your time, your energy, your resources, your talents? Is he worthy of your strength to hold on to him? To invest in him? Woo! Let me see if I can get to this because I'm just telling you, it's so good. Hallelujah. Mm, 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 mm. All right, we can do it. We can do this. We can do this. Let's go back to Luke 14. We were there last week. We'll finish up here again. Amen. Hallelujah. Luke 14. Listen, when God created you, he didn't create an inanimate object. He didn't create a statue, and he's not a statue. We're far too used to things that don't work. Christianity is about God's results in your life. It's time to get God's results in your life. The only way to get God's results in your life is to pit bull his word. Grab a hold of that word and don't you let go. There's no other ingredient. It's the word of God and faith in the word. It's that simple. Luke chapter 14. God, oh, hallelujah. Listen, you're not a statue. You're not an inanimate object. You're not an artifact. There's a divine purpose for your life. There's a real purpose for which you've been created. There's a divine calling on every one of our lives. First and foremost is to be like Jesus. How did the body of Christ get so sidetracked from our primary calling? We're to be like him. We're to do what he do, to say what he say. Do what he do, say what he say. Luke 14, come on, is there any cause more worthy of your investment than being like Jesus? These are questions you need to answer. You will answer them by the way you live this week, right? Is there any cause more worthy of your time, talents, energy, and resources than being like Jesus? It takes time. I can't tell you how much money we have invested in knowing God. It's our primary investment. I don't even know how. I, I, I could go back through our books and maybe, but I don't even, I, I, it's just first. I mean, there, I'm thinking back to when Mariah was a little baby in a car seat. That's, and, and we heard uh, some excellent preachers were coming to Long Island. And we were in... Uh, I guess we were in Middletown, Rhode Island. 
and we hopped in the car, took Mariah in a car seat. We drove down, you know, whatever it was, three plus hours. Uh, uh, what's that? I don't remember what happened. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, we were going into the gate of the, the, the uh, it was like a convention center arena where this ministry event was, where preachers like what I'm preaching preach, you know. And uh, we got to the gate, and the, and the guard or the guy at the gate saw all these cars, and he said, I might ask us where we drove down from, you know, with a little baby in the back. He says, is it really worth it? I forgot all about that. Here's a guy who probably, I don't know if he knew the Lord or not. Is it really worth it? Good question. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know how much money we spent to drive three hours, get a hotel, and stay or do whatever we did that weekend. Uh, and I'm telling you, we, we weekly invest in the Word of God. It's our primary calling to know Him. Not because I'm a minister. Nothing to do with that. Because He's my Father. Because he's called us as his sons and daughters to know him. I was doing this long before I ever became a minister. But watch out. If you start running after him, you might become one too. <laughs> Don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> Luke 14, verse 26. Oh, glory to God. I don't know if we're going to be able to get to it. I'm just listening to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if anyone comes to me. This is Jesus talking. We love Jesus, don't we? Come on. He's the one we're living for, isn't he? We're all about him, aren't we? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother. Oh, boy, that'd make a great greeting card, right? <laughs> Dad, it's your birthday, and I hate you. <laughs> if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, you got to know Jesus. you got to see what he's saying here. Wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also. What is he doing? He's creating a comparison. That if you line up your love for anyone else compared to your love for him, it looks like hate. (laughs) Compared to your love for him. Right? Now, what, 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 what is the first commandment with a promise? Honor your parents. Right? Obey your parents in the Lord. Right? There's a, it's a process. Obviously, he's not. He's, he's creating a, a comparison with words, but it's pretty drastic, isn't it? In other words, there's no one or anything that even comes close to your love for me. Not father, not mother, not children, not wife, not husband. No one. And that is the place that God deserves in our heart. He's that worthy. And I love... Reading his words, he says, anyone who does not have this love for me cannot be my disciple. So it's not optional, is it? Having Jesus as an equal love in my life to something else is not optional, right? 
Oh, now we're, I think we're going to have to go to next week on this one. And there's just things rolling inside that would take too long. Having an equal to Jesus in your life is, is not acceptable if you want to be his disciple. There is no one's words that will ever come close to his words in our life because we love him that much. Anyone else's words compared to Jesus look like uh, foolishness foolishness they could be the greatest scholar uh, in the history of academia but their words next to what jesus said are foolishness yeah. <laughs> i love it see jesus wants us to move forward and come up higher today and I'm thankful for the seasons of the year. I look forward to fall. But don't get caught up too much in routine. Okay. Don't slip into autopilot and just expect another fall. Expect an amazing experience with God okay. today. Okay. Expect God to show himself to you this week. Expect the Word of God to come alive in you as you read it. Expect fresh, clear revelation from heaven to your heart. Expect to see Jesus in your workplace. Expect to hear from His Spirit on your job. Expect to see Him moving in your life in every area of your life. This week, this is not just another September. This is not just another year. I will never have just another September. Every day is new because I'm following Him. Come on, every day is new when you're running after Him. Every day is new when He is the chief love. No one even comes in a close second to Him. Hallelujah. Woo! We said last week that love locates us. That if you want to get where you were called to go, you've got to know where you are. That's why it's so important just to take Jesus at his word. Because his word will locate us. How I respond when I read his word reveals to me uh, the degree to which I need to renew my mind, change my thinking, and my philosophy of life. Okay? Love shows us where we are so that we can get where we've been called to go. Right? Love shows us the way to where we've been called to go. In Luke chapter 14, verses 26 through, uh, well, 20, we'll read 27, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Are you telling me being a disciple of Christ has nothing to do with, with a church membership certificate? Yes. Nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with what you believe and who you love the most. Cannot be my disciple. But Jesus, here's my certificate. This is a heart thing, not a certificate thing. You don't have a certificate in your chest. You've got a heart in your chest that's pumping blood through your veins and 
Hallelujah, your blood vessels. It takes this level of commitment, the level that Jesus gives us in Luke 14, 26 and 27, to rise above the wisdom of this world. It takes this level of commitment to Jesus to rise above the wisdom of this world. Listen to me, the world has different plans for you. The world has a different vision of what your life should look like. The world has a different definition of what success is. Don't get sucked into it. You know what success is? Fulfilling God's calling on your life. We're going to have to stop here. We're going to continue next week because I'm telling you there is a whole lot more of groceries and, and delicious food that God has prepared for you. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, we are so done with the wisdom of man. We're so done with the games and, and uh, religious politics and uh, the traditions of, of man's doctrines. We want you. We've left everything to follow you. And we're never going back. You are the love of our lives. You're the captain of our heart. You're the Lord of our being. And we love you with everything we have. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.